All-American Gunslingers presenting Ubaldi Reports. Hey, everybody. This is John with Ubaldi Reports, the one podcast that provides fact, not fiction, as it relates to issues impacting America, whether globally or domestically. And there's a lot going on in the news, especially domestically and definitely what's going on overseas. But before I get going, I'd like to introduce my Ubaldi Reports kind of panel. There's Joe, Cody, and Ray. We all have different viewpoints, and we all come from different ages, yeah, especially for today, since today's my birthday. 59, yay. Oh, I thought you were 100, man. But there's a lot to discuss. Before we get started, <laughs> Ray wants, the tux of this podcast, does age equal experience? And there's one thing I wanted to start first is, and I want Co- um, Ray to bring this up on the topic. So uh, over the weekend, or Monday night game, there was a Kansas City Chiefs game, and uh, I guess a journalist, and, and again, it goes back to perspective and the video and the camera angle, uh, decided to bring up that uh, a child who was at the game enjoying the game, being a kid, um, he had uh, face paint on, and half of his face was black and half of it was red, Um and we decided that it was going to be a great idea again to bring racism up all over and claim that this was blackface. Um, and then, not too long ago, I was just on the journalist uh, Twitter page, and now he's doubling down on his article that he wrote about the blackface. Now, to give you a background about this kid, um, he is Native American, and there's some family line that, uh, even sits on the on the Native American Council Board as well, so it's going to get very interesting. My, my my thing is this: one, the kid had Native American headdress, and he had half his face was red and half his face was black. Those typically are the colors of the Kansas City Chief. But I would question the reporter on another note: note if he's spending his time and effort to shame this this child and shame this family because of the black face or at least half his black face why doesn't he spend equal amount of time and i just looked it up once we discussed this before this podcast came up and this is from the kansas policy institute that well over 60 percent i want you to let this sink in well over 60 percent of black children in kansas city can't read write or do math to grade level so this reporter, and I don't know this reporter, I don't know what this reporter covers, if it's sports or just general, but why doesn't this reporter cover the deficiencies and the educational opportunities of African-American children? And if you look around the country, and this kind of ties into um, the podcast, which we're doing today, was does age equal experience? And to me, it's appalling. And I'm disgusted. I've been writing about this. I've been preaching about this, and my voice and my um, bringing this up goes nowhere. But I would call out this reporter, and I wish somebody would ask this reporter, why don't you spend an equal amount of time and say, why is it that over 60% of black children that you care about can't read, do math, or English to grade level? What job are they getting if they can't graduate reading at an appropriate level or do math at an appropriate level? but yet you spend all your efforts on this, and then you double down on this. That's what I can't understand is why don't the – where's the due diligence before kind of firing that, firing that gun? Because I think the due diligence, and we're seeing this, 
We have advocacy journalists. We don't have journalists anymore. We don't have objective journalists. I always thought journalists were supposed to look at and investigate certain issues. I wish they would do their due diligence across the country when well over like 80% of uh, minority children in all over the country can't so, read or do math or English to grade level. So Maddie Funny, Funny Farm says, I think it's more all children than just black kids. Most of Arkansas students are not at grade level. That's Arkansas? Yes. Well, I, w- I would have to... I would have to look at that statistic, but I just looked up the statistic for Can- uh, the Kansas Policy Institute, and it showed a dismal so, g- educational well, gap yeah, for black and children. I think we need to kind of refresh something because Kansas City might say Kansas in it, but it, it's not in Kansas. It's Missouri. It's Missouri. Well, but either way, yeah. Kansas City and Kansas City, they, they cross over. Got it. They're right next to each other. There is a Kansas City in Missouri, and there's a Kansas City, Kansas. Got it. But the point is, why don't you look around the country? I mean, remember when I wrote an article and we talked about this? 92% of children in Baltimore, which is well over 75 to 80% African American, can't read, do math, or, or, um, or English at grade level. Mm-hmm. What did Oregon do? Oregon realized there wasn't enough minorities passing um, the exit exam to graduate high school. So you know what their solution was? Let's just eliminate the exit exam for the next five years. So you're graduating kids who can't read, do math, or English to grade level. What job are they getting? I think they're just trying to pad the number. With Oregon, was it? Oregon. I think they're just trying to pad their numbers or kind of of give themselves like a little bit of a wider berth because of the COVID uh, shutdown. But see, Joe, that's the problem. They use COVID... Like, that's the excuse for everything. Mm-hmm. They use co- It's because of COVID. That's a bunch of BS. We spend $800 billion on education, and we're at the middle of the pack, and 45% of American kids can't read. Well, and here's Can't my, do, read at grade level. Here's my question is, what do they expect to come of it? Because if the kid needs another year or two in high school to become proficient, it, it's going to suck, and it's not going to look good for that school. But it's going to be important for the kid because now, exactly. because now they can't operate in the real world past the minimum wage job. And down the road, that's going to hurt that person, which on a large scale ends up hurting that demographic, you know, 20, 30, 40 years into the future. Well, it so, hurts their, 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 their economic opportunities. And it's not that they're going to have minimum wage jobs. If you're working minimum wage... What else are you going to do? You're probably going to be on government assistance or you're going to steal and you're going to be in the criminal justice system. Well, and to kind of re- maybe add on or to kind of for Cody on what he was saying, I think there has to be instead of extending it or giving them more years to kind of get to that level, you have to evaluate each student at a certain point. So like maybe like second or third grade, and then you start branching them off to certain areas like, oh, this one is a visual learner. So we're gonna put them over here. This one is- More auditory. More auditory. This one is like is words. Well, but, so, even, but, but even what you, going by what Cody says and what you're bringing up, and you have young children at that particular, especially- He was about to go. I wanted to see what he had to say. Oh, but your youngest is, if you're not up to grade level, in math and English, especially reading, mm-hmm. it gets worse for you as you get older. It doesn't get any better. And we're seeing kids like in Baltimore, I keep going back to that because that was the latest one that came out in September. 
uh, there was 23 high schools. Not one student was passing grade level requirements. And there was high schools that every student is reading at and doing math at an elementary level. Well, can I maybe add on to that is that there was maybe, I would say there was an education gap with my, my son. Okay. Okay. And for, from like kindergarten to fifth grade, he was doing very poorly. He wasn't doing the best. He wasn't doing the worst, but I mean, he was not, he was like maybe right there. But then all of a sudden he goes into the middle school and he starts to get better. He starts to excel. And the thing is, is that nothing has changed because he always got um, tutoring. We always talked about that. I remember that because I remember so, during COVID, you yeah, were tutoring your son. He had a tutoring all the way through. But then after he hit middle school, something clicked or something happened. And then all of a sudden, you know, he started getting better. His grades started getting better. He started getting better at school. And then even this year where... He doesn't have a tutor anymore. But see, but a lot of things go, there's a lot of things that go into this. One, you and your wife were very, not strict, but you were on your children. Proactive. Proactive on your children. A lot of these kids don't have that. A lot of them come from single parents, and that's a problem. So you have to look at this. But this goes back to the original point um, that I wanted to get back to on this podcast. Does age equal experience? And this was referencing President Joe Biden. Lately, well, I mean, through his whole presidency, but really now as we gear up for the presidential election for 2024, we're seeing him really have problems, you know, walking. You even have problems him stumbling, slurring his words. So Peter Ducey asked Corinne Jean-Pierre about this, and she said, well, his, his experience um, – pushes out age. So I go back to the age and the experience thing. Joe Biden has been in Washington since I was in third grade. I'm 59 and he's 81 now. And if you look at prior to him becoming president, he spent 36 years in the Senate and look at his record. He voted for every issue regarding China that sent American manufacturing to China. He's voted against the Gulf, the first Gulf War supported the, the war in Iraq, supported the war in Afghanistan, then turned his back on it, didn't support a lot of the things like killing Osama bin Laden or killing Qasem Soleimani. So everything he's done, like Robert Gates said, he's been a nice guy, but he's been wrong on every foreign policy issue over the last 40 years. Look at the economy. Inflation was supposed to be transitory. Now it's, it's permanent now. It's not getting any better. So Beach Baby 226 came and said, student behavior has deteriorated over all socioeconomic demographics. No, I would agree with that, too. I talked to, to some of the, the – um, I talked to some people who are teachers, and they are, there is an issue with that. But we also have to look at the nuclear family is not the same today as it was 30, 40 years I, ago. I believe, I believe that more and more. The, the more that the family is involved, the more, and it like, because we almost figure homework is not actually, is not necessarily for the kid themselves, is actually to get the parent more involved in what they're doing. Um, and just that little bit of involvement has the child excel more than say, one that, 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 that no, I have a friend of my excuse me, my brother, his child was started school during the COVID period and he was behind in reading. 
Well, they got a tutor, and they work with them all the time. And now his, because they thought he might have been dyslexic. Mm -hmm. Well, then they found out that maybe that's not the case. Maybe it's because he didn't get the proper learning when during COVID because they were all locked in, except if you're wealthy like Gavin Newsom, whose kids go to go to private school during this period. But anyway, so they work with them. So they work with them right now and his reading has dramatically improved so i think parental involvement now my parents were not well educated my mom only had a high school diploma but my dad was um, only got through fifth grade but he made sure that we got a solid education he moved his kids so they can go to a better school and he made sure that we did our homework we read we did things because he didn't want his kids to go through what he went through but against the, the crux of this, does age equal experience? And going back, let's say the U.S. economy. Today, President Biden touted how the, the economy is improving, wages are up, inflation is down. But that doesn't mirror the reality on the ground. The American Farm Bureau said that food costs are much higher now than they were a couple of years ago. His friends and families maybe do really well, and that's how he equates everybody's doing well. But Americans aren't. Remember, he was the one that said inflation was transitory. Oh, it's temporary. Everything is everything is temporary. Everything is better. But do you, are we feeling it? I'm feeling it. Rent, utilities. Remember, we asked you last week if you had to buy your auto again, your truck. Could you do it with a high interest rate? Absolutely not. And you couldn't do that. My rent went up to twenty seven hundred. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking to move out of where I'm living now, and I've got to figure out how am I going to pay rent. Honestly, so I love my truck. I'm not going to. I would never sell the truck, but they, every time I get take it in for service, they're like, "Hey, we're interested. We were interested in your truck. How, what, what would you like?" I said, "Okay, you can sit down and talk to me." So they did. As I'm like waiting there, and they're like, "What would you like?" I was like, "Well, I want you know a brand new like I think it would be like a brand new 2020 24." I want the same color. I want the same. I said, I want to pay the same amount. I want the same payment and I want 0% interest. And they're like, I'm out. But see, but that's the point. But what happens like for myself, my truck has got over 200,000 miles. I got to take it in for service on Friday. I can't afford to get an 8% loan on a car and a truck or car loan. How many people are like me? Every time I go out to um, a restaurant, I always ask the server, what do you do? And just to start the conversation, and they always say, well, I go to college or I'm struggling. One server said, my boyfriend just broke up with me, so I had to move out. I had to get a roommate. I got to work two jobs. I work a full-time job and then a part-time job. So when President Biden, when Corinne Jean-Pierre says his experience, experience in what? I would ask anybody, even though you may not agree with me or whatever I'm saying, I would ask anybody, tell me what experience Joe Biden brought. Has, has your lives gotten better because of Joe Biden? Are we better off on foreign policy because of Joe Biden? His is exp- he came in as the most experienced president on foreign f- foreign affairs because of his longtime service well, in the what Senate. What about John Crimpierre saying how the reason for inflation now is still because of the, tr- the past administration? I mean, they keep <laughs> blaming Trump. The, the economy was improving, like the border. But the thing is, also, it, when it turns around, you know, if it, okay, so if the almighty goes back into office and the economy does turn around and inflation does go down, the Democrats are still going to be able to puff out their chest like, we did that. Well, they, they did it already. 
When oh, yeah. Trump was in office, they kept saying that this economy is very good because of Barack Obama. Yeah. Barack Obama is the first president when we went into a recession under the last part of the Bush administration, mm-hmm. carried over to Obama. So I'm not blaming anybody for that or him for that. But it took um, he had the slowest growth coming out of an, a recession. Usually when you come out of the recession, the economy takes off. Mm-hmm. It didn't. And for like as much as he touts how he supports and takes care of people of color, African-Americans did not. They fared far worse under Barack Obama. They did far better under Donald Trump. And there was just recently, I think yesterday or today, the black li- the president of the Black Lives Matter chapter in Vermont said, I'm voting for jo- uh, Donald Trump because he did more for black America than any president in his lifetime. So no summer of love this year. No summer love this time. But I mean, but but going back to the foreign policy part, look what the expertise. I mean, we were told he was the foreign policy expert. This is the most experienced team. Where are we at now? We got a proxy war in Russia, in in Ukraine. We got a potential regional war in China. We got a potential regional war with Taiwan, maybe, excuse me, China maybe going into Taiwan. Show me where we've got countries pulling away from the United States economically and forming like, um, was it the BRIC? BRIC, was it the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, and other countries, and even Saudi Arabia and some of the OPEC countries want to join that economic union because they see weakness in this president. Yeah. We're being attacked all over the Middle East, and we're doing nothing. We got Americans held captive. And what are we doing? We're like begging. And president doesn't hold any press conferences. If you do, you got to shout his answers. And when he does answer back, he gets dismissive and he gets angry. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, where's this experience that Corinne John Pierre talks about? It's well, whatever I wish told, I, it's I it's wish somebody could tell me where's this experience coming from. Well, what it boils down to is, do you? go through all those years in the Senate and actually learn what you're doing and actually learn from the mistakes? Or do you just do the same day over and over again for 50 years? Well, you know what? I, you, you made me think of something here, but you're also saying, like, does age equal experience? Well, it depends on what the experience it is you're talking about because when it comes to maybe running a country or policy or stuff like that, maybe not. But they're very experienced at making sure – this money goes here and that money goes there because and we this all know- money ends up in his pocket. Exactly. I mean, so we're all seeing a little bit of a sleight of hand where the, I wouldn't say embezzling, but the money that they're now valued to be having is definitely a, a key well, part of their experience. Of they don't want to be in here because they think they're going to make America greater. They're here because they're lining their pockets. And that's the whole thing with Washington. That's why, I mean, People need to understand, and I'll say this again. Those who support, there's always a core group that are going to support Donald Trump no matter what. That's like with any party. Same thing with Barack Obama, Joe Biden, whatever. But the vast majority of people that support Donald Trump, they can't stand the guy. The guy's a narcissistic, bombastic ass. Can't shut his mouth. He talks at the wrong time. But they see that individuals go to Washington and they come out richer. Look at Barack Obama. He was maybe a, worth $1 to $2 million when he entered the White House. He's worth 77 to up over a million. I mean, a million. A hundred million dollars. Look at Nancy Pelosi. Was it kind of ironic 
that anytime weeks or a month before they sign some big agreement like Microsoft or whatever company with the defense or whatever government agency, all of a sudden Paul Pelosi buys stock in that company and then he makes millions? Or is that just a coin? Or Joe Biden worth $600,000 and then... Now all of a sudden he's worth thirty-five to forty million within four years. So there's also um, uh, when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, they also had the Clinton Foundation going on at the same time. And one of the things that we saw or probably heard about on TikTok was that in order for one of the um, dignitaries or one of the other people to talk to her uh, when she was like Secretary of State, they had to donate to the Clinton Foundation, once they donated, she would go there and, as a representative of the U.S. to talk to them. Well, that's yeah. like Letitia James. She's the Attorney General of New York, and she's going after the Trump, uh, Trump Foundation and Trump, uh, President Trump on fraud. There's been nobody harmed by it. The banks didn't complain. The banks made money. No, there's no victim of it, but they go after her, him. Why didn't they go after Hillary? Why is it uh, odd that Algeria sent $40 million to the Clinton Foundation for help with Haitian relief, which they were part of. Why didn't they just give that to the International Red Cross? And then all of a sudden, once Hillary Clinton lost, the Clinton Foundation pretty much folded its doors because all their donations dropped. Mm -hmm. Does anybody find a problem with that? And Cheryl Mills, who was the chief of staff for Hillary Clinton, she did some work on the Clinton Foundation while she was simultaneously working at Secretary, the Secretary of State's office as Chief of Staff. So this is what America sees. It's just like, you remember during the campaign when Hillary got that headache or fell or had some, got lightheaded? Uh, they, yeah. Well, the Secret not, Service. On 9-11, picked, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. This was, is, yeah, it was September 9, she was at the 9-11 memorial. Okay, whatever, I can't remember, but I know that the Secret Service had to pick her up and bring her to the van, and they brought her back to her hotel. Tell me how many people would you, if you got sick or lightheaded and you went back home, could you have your doctor come to your house? Well, the doctors went to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Tell me anybody, would that happen for you? No. And this is what people see. Mm-hmm. It's like tomorrow... Even though it's it's Wednesday now, Gavin Newsom is going to debate Ron DeSantis, the governor well, of Florida, versus, versus the governor of California. Take Gavin Newsom. He's all about public education. He's all about people of color. I wish he would explain to me why his children got to go to a private school, in-person learning, while every other child in California who's going to public schools including my two, my brother's children, had to learn at home. What I want to hear from Gavin Newsom is why he admitted that the homelessness issue could be solved and he is electing not to. Well, what did he we do? Saw that. We saw that when oh, yeah. uh, the Chinese leader okay. came yeah. in. And yeah. he, after they cleaned everything up, Newsom got called out on it. And he basically said, yeah, we could solve it. And we did solve it for... Uh, China. Yeah, and that's just probably some of the issues are going to come up. They spent $20 billion on the homeless in the last number of years, and there's more homeless. So, does I mean, again, age equal experience, or is just partisan politics or partisanship enriching yourselves and your cronies at the expense of the American public? It's Look the, at the border. It's the latter. Look at the border. As much as the Democrats want to say this is Trump's fault, you listen to Antonio Mayorkas 
Corinne Jean-Pierre, we inherited a broken system. Okay, let's go with that. If you inherited a broken system, you had the House and the Senate for two years, 2021 and 2022. Mm -hmm. You never submitted one thing to to shut down the border. It was just all processing people through. Mm -hmm. So Trump in his last year in office had 400, almost uh, 400, 450,000 people come across illegally. The first year of Joe Biden's mission, almost 2 million. The next year, almost 3 million. Now we're at 3 million. We had 8 million if you include the ones they haven't captured. And in one year alone, one year alone, in 2023, 179 individuals on the terror watch list crossed the border with 80% coming from the north. In Trump's four years in office, the most they had was 12. Mm-hmm. So where's the experience coming from? Well, and their big problem under Trump handling the southern border was the kids in cages. Yeah, and that was Barack that was Obama. Obama. Mm-hmm. So, but the, go back with the kids in cages. Where is the Democrats? Where are all these feminists who talk about women's lives matter? They've been sexually trafficked. Kids have been sexually trafficked. Hunter Biden moved escorts across the country. Where's the outrage there? Where's the outrage from feminists regarding the rape of Israeli women? Is rape only a bad thing when it goes against, when it goes against people you support? But it's, 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 well, it doesn't mean John, anything. When, John, you still have about six months before something serious ignites the country. So, you know, you're just running on a little bit of a lag here because no, we got an election year coming up, so we got to easily – a black guy getting shot, which has been happening throughout well, time, but it's gonna, it's an election year. They'll use the race issue. And right. If we had a media that had any, you know, maybe because we're doing we're on a podcast, maybe if the media had some guts and actually investigated a lot of these issues we raised. Look at the what's going on in these cities now. Governor Abbott is sending thousands out, and you're blaming him, but why don't you blame? The gov, um, the president, just like Eric Adams, first he had I think his campaign finance director was investigated by the FBI, and then just I think it was last week someone accused Eric Adams of sexual harassment or sexual assault that happened 30 years ago. When that happened, I'm like, wait a minute. First Eric Adams was supporting the president, but then he called the president out. Now all of a sudden, an anonymous person comes forward to make an accusation against him. So is this how it works? If you if you go after the president or the Democrats, they're going to accuse you of every vile manner. I have a question, and you bring up a, a mayor. Um, I read that the I think it was the Chicago mayor yeah. decided that Brandon uh, Johnson he was going to blame uh, all the Republicans for the illegal immigrants coming to his city. <laughs> um, can you make that make sense? You can't. But here's, but, here's the, but here's the other problem. Here's another thing. Brandon Johnson, the Democratic progressive mayor of Chicago, is blaming right wing extremists for the problems in Chicago. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Here's the problem with that. <laughs> Chicago, for everybody listening to this, has been run by the Democrats. Since 1931, well over 90 years. I thought it was 29. That's probably what no, it was not, like. Eight, eight, 1931. Okay. So over 90 plus years, 92 years, the Democrats have run <laughs> Chicago. They control the education. 
Every part of that city is run by Democrats. When was the last time Illinois went red? Um, they had a Republican governor right before Governor Pritzker. And I can't think of that, that guy's name right offhand. Oh, he'll go back. He'll be like 1730. <laughs> <laughs> no, they just had it just before Governor Pritzker. They had um, a so Republican. Is it, so is it just easier to blame and, and shift? Yeah. It is. You know, it and, is. and deflect and be like, hey, look. look. You know, we got this whole sanctuary city set up, but it's way easier to blame the the okay, right wing. Okay, but, <laughs> but what you said on sanctuary cities, they none of the Democratic mayors, none of the Democratic states have ever revoked sanctuary city. Like California, they pay, if you're illegal, you can get Medicaid if you're, I think you're under the age of 26 and over the age of 50. Next year, everybody, regardless of immigration status, will qualify for Medicaid. Where's that money coming from? If you're living in California, your taxes are going to go there. Oh, they'll chop ch- down another forest and create more money. So John, I want to touch on something because I saw... You the touch sen- on it, Well, the Senate was going over like all these studies or these programs that are using tax dollar money to finance or fund, but it's for things that are, say, overseas or into other countries... And I'm just wondering one of two things. Could that be just like, you know, not necessarily a bribe, but they're kind of like they're cutting checks for certain people. Hey, here here's like, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars. But you have to say it's for butterfly migration in. I mean, I would they do that. And I'm going to have to look into that a little bit more. But I know we found out during the coronavirus and afterwards that. The National Institute of Health did fund. Okay, the you're, growing a little bit, you're growing a little bit bigger than that. I'm just saying, like, little. There was like for helmet and seatbelt studies in Uganda. I like, would have to look. So I'm just saying, there's a lot of studies going on that are in our um, our budget that are going overseas. Now, is it one that are they just maybe like like I said, are they trying to cut a check for somebody that maybe like has their hand out, or is it just another way of taking as much money from the American people to kind of curtail no, or regulate ha- inflation. I No, I'm going to have to look into that, why they're doing that. But it does. But all the spending, whether whether how you spend it, government spending is out of control, and that contributes well, to inflation. I understand that, but if you somehow tax the people more, that's more money that they have, and would that, if people have less money to buy goods and services, does that not curtail inflation? No, it doesn't. It's just when more money gets spent, especially government, it actually adds to inflation. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what the other problem we've got to come up is in 2025, at the end of the year, the the Trump tax cuts expire. That includes the SALT tax, state and local taxes, where the, the wealthy used to be able to, and, and up until 2018, they would be able to deduct, if you live in California, Illinois, New York, you pay high taxes. Well, you can deduct that from your, your federal income tax. Trump came in and said, no, you're not. You're yeah. not deducted. But that ends on the, um, at the end of 2025. Democrats will say, that's great, but what's going to happen? The wealthy will get a tax cut, and the middle class and the poor will get a tax increase. Not unless he returns. So we'll have to see where that goes. <laughs> All right. So, John, why don't you go ahead and tell them where they can get a hold of you. You can get a hold of us at, at ubaldireports at gmail.com. Ubaldireports at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 
and TikTok. You're only an hour, like a few hours into 59 and you forgot. Now shut up. <laughs> I want to use a something that starts with a B, but I'll leave that off. <laughs> so there Buddy? you can talk. But in the meantime, we're going to keep following up. We're going to keep doing it Wednesday at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. And before we go, I'll turn everything to Joe so we can talk about All-American Gunslinger. Yes, we have a range. Finally. So go, Joe. A little bit more work ahead of us. I blame the Democrats. <laughs> uh, just stick with us. Uh, we should have the website up in about December. That's when everything gets put on. Uh, we will be able to open our doors sooner than some people think. I'm really riding on this. And um, just stand by. It's going to be a lot of interesting stuff happening. So you can get a hold of us, all things All-American Gunslinger on our social media. And you can reach out to us by going to allamericangunslingers at gmail.com. So and keep following Yuvali Reports. Again, we'll be back on the air at 730 Eastern Standard Time next Wednesday. So till then, keep following Yuvali Reports.